1: We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Uh-uh, uh-uh-uh, on the corner. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. I am cracking my claw early. Uh, The old man is fancy this episode. He has some crown, vanilla mixture going on over there at his end. And that's because it's Sunday night. We're recording immediately after WWE backlash that just went off and the greatest wrestling match ever easy just took place listen i don't feel that way twitter is saying that certain people on twitter is saying that it's one of the best ever Uh, they're a little they're a little out of touch on that but we're gonna dive into that card first so this show will be a little different where we'll actually work backwards we will go over that pay-per-view first and the WWE main card, which usually we hit up last. And then we'll touch on NXT, AW, everything in the back half of this show as well. So, first and foremost, this all ties into the pay-per-view. Dre, we find out that Paul Heyman is out on Raw. Bruce Prichard would now be taking over a creative direction on both shows.
2: Yeah. Um. This is a... I don't know, man. Look, man. Paul Heyman doesn't do everything right. The Viking Raiders and Street Profits <laughs> Decathlon, Dave and Buster's, wasn't the greatest thing ever. But Raw was enjoyable with, you know, the rise of Alistair Black with Seth Rollins and the Ray Mysterio thing, Selena uh, Fagas stable. Like they were do- Apollo Crews being U.S. champ, they were doing good things. I said it last week. SmackDown was has been bad. Yep. So the idea that now Bruce Pritchard's running both shows, and I love the Prichard podcast. I think we all do. But this man doesn't need to run both shows. Like, oh, man. I don't I know.
1: Feel, I feel like on the podcast, he was more critical of the product. And he had these ideas on how to fix it. And he, he was in tune with what was wrong and why the audience was tuning out. But now he gets back. And maybe the
2: Flint, the Vince influence is just that much. Well, I think, you know, Bruce knows how to work within the confines of WWE. So... It makes it a little bit easy for him to slide in. And one thing I think we all have noticed listening to the Pritchard Podcast uh, with Con- Conrad is that Pritchard never really valued in-ring ability that much. He never really talks about it. He says the match was fine or this, but he always talks about the story.
1: Yep. And that's
2: fine, but <clears throat> in these situations, when you have talent that can wrestle and they get reduced to stories rather than you know producing great in-ring matches... It doesn't necessarily work and it seems like bruce might be a little dated when it comes to his ideas so i don't know man it feels like we go through this cycle like once every five years with paul Heyman. he gets brought in does some creative probably bumps heads with somebody and then he's out and then they bring him back in there's no doubt that paul Heyman is a creative genius when it comes to pro wrestling he still has very antiquated ideas that aren't really good in execution because we also have to blame him for the rusev lana Lashley loved triangle. That was his thing. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, he's a guy who values in-ring talent. He values the, the opportunity to give guys great matches. And he wants to bring the guys that aren't getting exposed to the top. So that's why we've seen Apollo Crews and Andrade. It's like That's why probably we see seen Lashley finally get his first title shot at Backlash. That's insane. Yep. It's, it's why we're seeing these things is Heyman understands that vision of the underdog and talent getting used wrong. They're just not being used the right way. I don't think Pritchard gets that, but is more in line with what Vince wants, so it is what it is.
1: Yeah, it's odd that you can't have a great story and a great wrestling match, except for what we saw tonight at Backlash, which we'll get to, is which they actually gave fans a payoff for a storyline that, into Mania, we said was the best storyline, which yeah. was Edge versus Randy Orton, so we'll talk about the greatest match ever here in a second as well. Before we go into that, we have a new IC champion, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan, and what was a really good match. Yeah, it was. It was just relegated to Fox, which, which is, is cool. Weekly TV can have great matches, too.
2: Yeah, but man, like I said, we're going to talk about Backlash. Backlash wasn't good, man. No. It, it wasn't good, and it could have really used this match. Instead, like how much time do they get on, on Fox? They got 20, 30 minutes? Smack- thirty min thirty minutes with commercials? What so, is that, like twenty three? Yeah, so if you take away one of the worst things I've ever seen, which we'll talk about, and let's see. You you cut down the Sheamus match a little. You, you just get rid of it. You could do you could have done that on SmackDown. Like even though you had to run the whole Smackdown. P angle and all that nonsense. But that match could have been on SmackDown. That they match bumped a, the, the U.S. title to it, the pre-show. And only gave it seven minutes. So Good they, match in seven minutes. They could have found a way to put Styles and Bryan on this, this uh, backlash pay-per-view. Because that match was really good. But, I mean, whatever. I guess they want to put it on TV because nobody's watching. I don't know. I don't know. But that was really good. Eh. Everything was hyped else kind of sucked.
1: We expected it to be good. It delivered. Which we can't say about everything all the time. No. So that was one of those, like, okay, it gave us the payoff we were looking for. So kudos to them. And then the other thing is the New Day coming out, taking a knee. Just the power of that to see it on Fox, Fox especially, but on a SmackDown show. And see that, you know, wrestlers... We saw Keith Lee, Black Lives Matter and everything. But even then, it's kind of like, okay, that's NXT. This was main roster, main primetime slot, major network. To see this, it feels like, okay, I had my hat to Vince, the company, all of them for just saying, you know what? We can't hide from this.
2: Old Vince might have tried to hide from it. Well, this would have never happened. 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, two black baby faces kick off a, a, show by taking a knee and raising a fist would have never happened. Um, obviously, for those of you listening, you know I did the New Day podcast a week ago, and that's it, it, it. Topped out at like the top forty podcasts in the nation, which was crazy. Um, and it was it was the first time WWE ever tackled race head on. It was the first time we they ever did something like this. We released the video. Uh, you know, which is defined as well. But I think for me, that, like I was sitting last night, I was w- watching UFC and I was walking in and, uh, no, actually Friday night and I saw them take the neon Smackdown. I was like, wow, that's great. And I tweeted about it. And I looked down at my laptop and I had that feel the power sticker on it. And I remember like, yo, I wore this shirt at StarCast in StarCast in August. When we hosted Wrestling With Stereotypes. And if people know the Field of the Power shirt that I'm talking about, it recreates the 68 Olympics uh, pose with the, the black fists up. And they recreate with the, the New Day. And I remember wearing that shirt. And I remember the first time Alexis Littlefoot, shout out to her for being the brain behind that and Lauren for designing it. I remember looking at that shirt and was like, this is amazing. And never once did it ever cross my mind that that particular moment would actually happen less than a year later, inside a pro wrestling ring. Granted, circumstances are terrible of why they had to do it, why they felt the need to do it. We shouldn't feel the need to have to do this. But the yeah. fact that it was done spoke in volumes of, you know, what those three, even though Woods is still out, what they mean to us in pro wrestling. And, again, like I texted Big e and Kofi. I was just like, yo, I don't think you guys get it. even Woods." I was like, I don't think y'all get it. Like, you're doing this, and you're like, you do this because you felt like you needed to. Like, they wanted to do that, make that statement. But they don't really get, like, they're in the middle of doing something that's groundbreaking. And I told them, I was like, look, I joke, it's never going to happen. But I was like, yo, if I can induct you into the WWE Hall of Fame, because you're Hall of Famers. Like, and talk about this moment. Like, you guys are making history. And I don't think they see it. I don't ever think that they see it. But that moment, that shit moved me. Because... I would have never saw it Like I went back to the whole Farouk promo I think I tweeted that About a week ago Farouk cutting that promo With Vince talking about Never been a black champion Because Black people don't get The opportunity And the crowd was Booing the shit out of Farouk <laughs> Yeah Booing him And now we fast forward And now And the baby faces Are taking a knee And raising the fist In a in a WWE wrestling ring Where 20 years ago And actually 30 not 25 years ago Is when that, that angle happened 20 24 25 years ago They would have booed him it would have booed them for that. Things have changed, man. Things have changed. So, I'm glad the WWE has seen it. I don't know if there was any resistance. I doubt it, because who the hell is going to be the dickhead to stand in the way of black people trying to stand in solidarity of black people dying? But it was an amazing moment.
1: No, I agree. Couldn't say better myself. So, it it's a moment that is going to go on their highlight reel. It's one of those where it's like. When they get inducted to the Hall of Fame, this will be up there. Yeah. And what they meant, you know, in the ring, outside of the ring, just to the culture. We we look at Harlem Heat, Booker T. We, we look at some of these legendary, you know, black wrestlers, The Rock. All that. we look at them from our childhood and be like, yo, that's so dope. Like that's what the new day is for a whole new generation of kids and wrestling fans in general. We're grown ass people and
2: we admire it. Yeah. You know what I also was thinking about? Like, every... Just about every great black wrestler got all of their momentum being heels. Like, the Nation Domination was a heel faction. Yeah. If you were a babyface, you were a joke. Or you had to do something that was very stereotypical. So, like, Coco Beware had the fucking bird. And... uh, you know there was Junkyard Dog who I talked about, like dominated the the region, but he came to WWE and he was he was never like taken seriously. Nah. Um, who was the buff black guy who couldn't wrestle? Ahmad
1: Johnson. Ahmad Johnson. He's the only one, but he looked like an action figure.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you had guys like Tony Atlas back in the day, bubble Brazil, but for the most part, when when they got over, it, they weren't really. It was never really about their culture or the race anymore. So, like, when The Rock was in the nation and then he became a superstar, the black aspect of The Rock didn't really exist anymore. He became racially ambiguous. Even though he was in a black stable, that part was stripped away from him. So, when he did win the title as a heel, because he was an exceptional heel, like, that whole, like, nation, black wrestler thing, it wasn't really talked about. Even Mark Henry, when he finally won the title, he was a heel. The Hall of Pain was a heel yep the new day they tried to have them heels but they were so fucking good at what they did and they became baby faces and these colorful fun loving like they were still black and they still you know wove like they, they weave black culture into everything that they did and then Kofi became champion and it's like we've never seen anything like that we've we've never seen anything like that so yeah kudos to them taking the knee everything again it's like I I, I keep saying this to E, I keep saying this to them, like, me being on that podcast is something I will never, ever forget. Like, I know it's just another podcast for y'all, but it wasn't for me. So, see like, that in itself is special, and to see them to continue to do those things, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, man, shout out to them. Kudos to them, and they weren't on tonight's pay-per-view. So... That's yeah. pretty much how stuff shakes down. So, <laughs> let's get into tonight's pay-per-view and the matches. So, like we said, dope in the show, WWE no, backlash. Like, you know let's let's just start with the main event, work backwards. Oh, we're going to go yeah. right
2: into it. Yeah, because that's what people want to hear.
1: All right. Greatest match ever. And greatest wrestling match ever. Let me give it its credit and proper title. Edge versus Randy Orton. What did we top out at, 46 minutes? 44, just under 45 minutes. 44 minutes, pre-recorded, edited, some reshoots. It told an amazing story, in my opinion. They got time to work. This should have been their WrestleMania match. It was damn near, what, five minutes more than their WrestleMania match, eight minutes more. Like, they could have done this instead of going over the top with the cinematic kind of like brawl of it, but I thought they both showed that they still have something in the tank for older wrestlers. Maybe pre-recording, doing edits might be something that's here to stay. I hope not. Because, I mean, it it made it seem fluid. If they did mess up on something, we would have never known it. And it brought the whole, you know, the whole story together. They had great callbacks. I think that was a lot. Uh, You know, rock bottom, they did the three amigos they did uh, the angle slam everything was in they they paid homage to a lot of great wrestlers the beginning of it was great with fingo doing an announcing um man it was little nate had the the blue shirt and the bow tie they did good really good things the only thing i didn't like was them calling it the greatest wrestling match ever and this isn't on the talent it's whoever decided and all initiatives come Either it's they start, or they have to go through Vince McMahon. So him deciding to call it the greatest wrestling match ever, it's kind of ridiculous. It set the bar too high for them to live up to for what was a really, really good match.
2: If there was ever a match that was destined to fail, it was this one. Because they put so much on it that it was impossible For them to to achieve this lofty expectation that includes matches like Taker HBK, 1 and 2, Steamboat Savage, Punk Cena, Owen Brett. The list goes on and on and on. WWE has had some really fantastic matches. And the thing about it is, the vast majority of them never had to go into the match saying it was the greatest wrestling match of all time. But for some reason, this one did. Now, I would have got it if it was Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Because Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, you look at him and it's like, yeah, they can do that. Because yeah. it's fucking Kurt. Because they're wrestlers. Yeah. Like, you could have been like, oh, no, we meant, like, catch wrestling. Like, yeah, like, that. that the, I could have believed that. I mean, yep. dude, there's so many. Like, I just watched Punk versus uh, Lesnar the other night. SummerSlam 2013, I think. Man, unbelievable. But the reason why it was so unbelievable, like, most matches... Is you go in with an expectation And it exceeds your expectation yep. This match came in telling you That this is going to be The greatest match ever And we're giving you no reason to believe that There's no reason like You don't look at Edge who's been out of the ring For almost a decade And Orton who's been on autopilot Most of his career You don't look at it and go yeah this is going to be the greatest match ever So I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with this this match was really, really good. Really good. Now, there will when it comes to comparing it to some of the greatest matches ever, you gotta take some away because it was edited. There is something about live performance versus oh fuck that up, I can redo this or edit this or reshoot it. It kinda it, it'll take it down a notch. Not not anything major. Because doing things live, cause like imagine if Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania was edited Brock Lesnar would have never done that shooting star press or they would have reshot it or something they would have figured that one out so live is like the margin for error is very slim to none and if you fuck up you gotta fix it this match was really really good it was really good you talked about the callbacks Um, you know they had a little color from Orton there was a lot of there was great storytelling chain wrestling like the pace was well done but then came the part that was really contrived which was the piped-in crowd noise, right? And some people didn't have a problem with it. Here's why I did. One, there was like 19 people in the, the performance center. There's just no way they were that loud. That's one. <laughs> Two, when I talked to Ricky Steamboat last week, Steamboat said that the fans are what t- who tell you how the match is going and what yep. you needed to fix. So he, he went back to this match he had with Barry Windham where Steamboat used to always do these phenomenal arm drags. And Steamboat uh, was a babyface, and Wyndham had just turned heel, and he was like, I was doing these arm drags, and the crowd was sitting on their hands, and I looked at Barry, and I said, this ain't working. And Barry's like, let's go into heat. And they fixed the match. When you tell us about the matches with Flair, like Flair would like call a spot and be like, all right, this isn't working, let's fix it. So, But when you have a manufactured crowd, you can't do that. The match is already booked. Well, that's why you have retakes. Because you can plug in anything you want to the crowd noise that you want. Yeah, but the bottom line is Edge and Orton aren't calling a match because of the crowd. They're doing what they set out to do, and the crowd was pumped in after to yeah. make it sound like, oh, because that's the other thing. It's like, you're going to tell me that these 19 people who've been like watching, living, and breathing pro wrestling are that excited about an arm drag? It just felt very contrived the manufacturer felt very forced like the lighting the uh, the cinematic aspect even though some of the shots were really great and well produced it felt like they were trying to force the narrative like this is the greatest match instead of just letting the match be and i know i would have walked away pr- pleasantly surprised about what i just saw i would have been like holy shit, those two delivered especially if that after that abomination of a last man standing match i would have been like yo and i would have just told people Can you believe that these two put on an excellent show? Instead, I'm going, nah, this is not the greatest wrestling match of all time. That was the biggest thing that hurt the match.
1: It stole the narrative. Absolutely. Away from the match. Because the narrative would
2: have been, holy shit, they delivered. Dog, it was so. Like, you talked about, like, the uh, rock bottom, and then there was, like, Randy Orton hitting the pedigree, which is a nod to evolution in Triple H. There was the educate. Like, omatic, the execution Like there was so many edge finishes that I forgot. He had every finish. No, <laughs> there was so many. It was ridiculous. Then he had the anti venom. Like Orton hit the punt kick. There was, you know, there was counters on the the the, the power the snap power slam that Orton does, or the hanging DDT. Like the, he hit the RK off the top rope. There were so many things that this felt like they really tried to make this the greatest match of all time. The only thing they should have done is not told us it was the greatest match of all time. Yeah. The greatest match ever. Well, greatest wrestling match ever. Whatever. Whatever the damn building was. But
1: That's exactly what they build it as. Man. Greatest wrestling match ever. It's not the talent's fault. Again, I think the match was great. The WWE set it up for failure before it started. Yeah,
2: man. And even then, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. Like, this was, again, anybody who had watched this match, you left going, man, that was a damn good match. I just yeah. wish they didn't tell me that. I mean, it's like, let it happen. Yeah. Like how many times you see a movie and people overhype the movie before you go see it and you go in like, oh shit. And then you see it and it's like good, but it's like, or here's even better, you go to a movie and somebody's like, wait till that twist ending and you wait for that twist ending and it happens and you're like, man, why you tell me that? I could have enjoyed this movie if I didn't know there was a twist ending happening. I could have just enjoyed it. I want to be pleasantly surprised when I see wrestling matches. We knew Omega and Okada 2 was going to deliver. We knew it, but we didn't know it was going to deliver like that. Imagine if they booked that match saying, this is the greatest wrestling match ever. You don't, There's no way you could exceed your idea of what the greatest match ever is. Instead, they delivered it, and then we all left going, holy shit, it might have been the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen. Yeah. Or in NXT, one that always gets talked about because nobody thought it was going to be that good was Andrade versus Gargano. Nobody won that match think it was going to be what it ended up being. But imagine if Regal was on, on TV going, get ready for the greatest match ever. Immediately, you'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. Stop. Yeah, Stop it. Yeah. Like,
1: it's... Sometimes you let the fans paint the narrative. And that's what the WWE... They, they don't book stuff for the fans. That, that's, <laughs> that's the biggest... Do that's the biggest thing right now with them. They're so out of tune with the fans. They don't book according to how the fans feel. Fans could boo something to high heaven, they'll roll that shit out every week. They don't book, you know, stuff to surprise the fans or to swerve the fans. Like everything is just for an audience of one. Yep. And it's signed, sealed, and delivered before it ever gets out for consumption of writers, producers, Talent, fans, it doesn't matter. It is done in the mind of one person and if he laughs, that shit's funny. And that shit'll be funny for a month to him. I.e. Otis's finisher is the worm. He saw that shit once, it was like, Yo, you gotta make that your finisher. Mind you, he made the guy a complete clown because of it. <laughs> yeah. But it makes him laugh and he doesn't
2: read the room. Oh no. His that's room has four walls and features only him. Oh, that's, that's such a great thing. I'm glad you said that. He doesn't read the room because you know who's in the room? Vincent Kennedy McMahon. That's it. And then they, he invites you in once he's figured out what he wants to do. Hey, I got something to show you guys. No time to read the room. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: Horrible. Let's go on to possibly the worst thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling. So it's a night full of hot hyperbole oh my god the greatest wrestling match ever this is one of the best matches of the year mind you i just saw will osprey tear this shit
2: down at wrestle kingdom because i watched it again two days ago uh, and that again like man okay before we get into the next match <laughs> this, it's crazy because i watch people say this is gr- the match of the year contender And i like, did any of you people watch wrestle kingdom anybody yeah. contender is fine this shit's not in the top three no man like yes I mean, man, Takahashi and, Oka- and uh, Osprey, Okada, Naito, like are you are you shitting me? I, like this is not that. This is not that. Even even though it wasn't even a real match. But the stadium stampede was like ridiculously fun. But this I I can't I don't understand. It's like when people say that this is a match of the the match of the year. I it's okay. This is frustrating. It's like me being a music connoisseur in a hip-hop head. I listen to everything. So I can judge it appropriately. Because I listen to everything. I just listened to Little Baby this week. Because everybody talked about how amazing he was. And I was like, eh, he's alright. But I listen. Because that's what I feel like I have to do. In order to say what something is great or something is not so great. WWE fans who only watch WWE are the equivalent of people who listen to only the radio and try to criticize or say what the best and worst album of the year is when they never listen to things that aren't on the radio. The radio only plays the popular stuff. Even though nobody really listens to the radio like that anymore. But like Beats 1 Radio, whatever. Things that are programmed. But if you don't listen to everything, how can you possibly say that this is the best ever? Especially when you know... That the other thing exists. That's what kills me. Is when people say. Oh this is the greatest match ever. Did you watch Wrestle Kingdom? Nope. You knew it was there. (laughs) Like how, how could you do that? Or. There are people who love WWE. It's like the whole like Nelly conversation. But Nelly's amazing. Like do you listen to rap? Like. Or you just listen to Nelly. Do you listen. Do you watch other wrestling? Or you only watch WWE? And then what they end up doing. Is they go watch New Japan. And they just hate it. They hate watching. Just so they can say. I watched it. And WWE was better. When I saw people criticizing, well, not even criticizing, saying this was the match of the year, it's like, and then, man, in some of these, it's like, there's no way that this was like the match of the year. Really? It's been a short year because of the pandemic, but come on.
1: This was really good. Yes. I'm not sure if this was as good as Naito versus Jay White, which I was watching this shit the other day. And I was like, yo, this is Jay White's best match ever. Yes. It w- this, you know, Wrestle Kingdom was so fucking good. Those last three matches. Unbelievable. Are all, one. they're probably one, two, and three. Night one, last three matches are probably my one, two, and three of the year. And you can shuffle the order however you
2: like. Everyone else is playing catch up. I just, and I know there are people like, oh, you just like New Japan. Like, it was the same thing with, like, Underground Hip Hop with You're a backpack guy. That's why you think most deaf has a, no, man. I listen to everything. There are mainstream albums and WWE matches I think are amazing. Like I said, I just went back and watched Punk and Lesnar, and I was like, this was, match was unbelievable. I forgot how good it was. And I always talk about how great the triple threat between Lesnar, Rollins, and Cena was. And yeah. I always talk about NXT, even though NXT is nothing but, like, Ring of Honor on fucking steroids. But it's, it's a WWE product. But come on. You got to chill with this WWE, like, the best match ever? Or the best match that you're like, Great, this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. In 2020? Last three months? Because, dog, there's no way. Like, if it's one of the greatest matches that you've ever seen, your ever seen list must be 100 matches long. Because then it'll make sense. Yeah, it's like 99. Cool. Okay, Okay. cool. But when I think of like greatest matches ever, I think of my top 10. That's immediately my default is it in that conversation. And I know a lot of people say this, that I'm a really harsh grader. But here's why I'm a really harsh grader on everything that I do. Because I want when I say something is amazing for it to fucking mean something. Because if I say everything is amazing, at a certain point, you're going to tune me out and be like, man, Andre's likes everything. But if I... I mean, you got to say I'm a hater, but if (laughs) if if I'm not touting everything and I tell you, like, this blew me away, chances are you will probably go and watch it, listen to it, whatever it is, because I don't say it that often. Too many people water down the idea of what a classic is in everything or what the greatest of all time is in everything to where it means nothing. To say Randy Orton versus Edge is one of the greatest matches ever means nothing to me. Because there's just no way it's one of the greatest matches ever. Fucking ridiculous. You could just say it's one of the best matches I've seen this year. And I'm like, cool, I can I can deal with that. But the yeah. best? Get the fuck out of here. No. Nah, it's not Bret Hart
1: versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell no. You want to just no. shoot something out of the fucking sky. Even if you're not a technical wizard or you're not looking at like Steamboat versus Macho Man cuz a lot of stuff okay might be a, a real deep cut for some people right like even omega okada might be a real deep cut for some people I get it but storyline build to a match deliver in ring the finish the blood the double turn nothing is better all around than that stone cobra hart match I mean, dude, it was a I, perfectly executed match. You're absolutely right. I, I think maybe for a long time I thought Sean Taker might be better between the ropes because, you know, Austin Brett was a brawl for a good amount, but it made sense for the story. Um, but, yeah, like, even if you combine all aspects of something, this was not that. So you... Automatically lose. The greatest match. I saw someone's ranking. Dre, I lie to you not. This shit was at number two. Gargano Andrade was at number one. And Okada, Omega 2, which was a great match. I think four is better, mm-hmm. but we're splitting hairs. Was at three. And I was just like... Of all time? What? Of all time. Come on. And I was like, what? Bruh. Of all all time? This was at two. This shit wrapped up an hour ago. Wow. Ric Flair and the Steamboat are again—they're not in their graves yet, but they're rolling over in their plush ass <laughs> beds. Rick just rolled over next to his wife, like, "Yo, I don't know what the fuck
2: just happened, but I just got this twitch to slap somebody because it's so disrespectful." That I mean, that's crazy. And I just I, I just watched Taker Sean. Um, Cause I was there for the retirement match, and it was amazing when I saw it. And I hadn't watched it in a long time, and I watched it again. And I was like, "Man, this man, this match was good. Oh, unbelievable! Like, like it hit all the right notes. Like this. When you talk about great matches, I always bring up Punk Cena because the unpredictability of it was unreal, and that crowd was nuclear. I bring up that match. I bring up Steamboat Savage. I bring up Flair. Flair steamboat, Shy Town Rumble, I think it was '88. I think that was one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. Owen versus Brett. Brett versus Stone Cold. Yeah. Uh, for me, Angle versus Shawn Michaels. There is also, I believe, it's an Unforgiven match with Taker, Rock, and Angle that was unbelievably good, and I forgot all about it. Then there was like the Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam rivalry. There's so many good matches. And yeah, the, we go into personal favorites. Steen generico ladder match.
1: Yeah. Granted, it's a gimmick. That shit was money. You you give me a gimmick ladder match, a good one? Sean Razor. Dude. And like there's a good good gimmick matches are hard to pull off too. And those are fucking
2: TLC. <laughs> like the Okanatana Oka- Hashi rivalry. Nakamura <laughs> Styles. If you're really talking about things that are recent, if you don't want to dig into like the nineties. Nakamura Styles, Styles Okada like dude, Styles Joe Daniels, which is always in my top, <laughs> unbelievable fucking <laughs> what? Match. and it's like come on, this recency bias without really thinking, like I get it man, like some of y'all see something and off the rip but even when I saw Omega Okada the first time I was like, yo this might be one of the greatest matches I've ever seen, and I had to sit back for a while I didn't tweet it, I didn't say nothing I sat there and processed it before I said anything. And I, don't even th- I still don't think I tweeted it until like days later. I think I told you you guys in the group chat. That might have been the best match I've ever seen. Like I had to really yeah. think about it. Because I hate saying stuff like that. But I was like yo. I didn't know the finish. The way it happened. Everything. I was like this might have been the greatest match I've ever seen. But I had to really think about it. But this. This match is in the top three all time. Okay, It's not in mine. Bonkers. I mean. Teach is own. Yeah.
1: I guess. Except for the person with that opinion fuck their opinion (laughs) because that's just ridiculous um top three (laughs) worst matches i may have ever seen in my life uh it's not even a match street profits versus the viking raiders we're midway through i'll just give people synopsis if you haven't watched this shit so street profits viking raiders continue their shenanigans the match never starts continue their shenanigans start recalling all of the shenanigans they've done golfing, bowling, decathlon, uh eating turkey legs. And then you get to the part where they team up and form some type of Power Rangers esque like quartet to take on a Karatsuzawa who drives up on a motorcycle with a bunch of random ass people in a ninja outfit. Oh my god. And they take on the equivalent Of who were Shredder's people. The Foot. I'm just going to call him The Foot. (laughs) So they start taking on The Foot. And then when they defeat The Foot. Tozawa's standing there. And he calls upon a seven foot black ninja. Which is ridiculous. They clearly just watched a Bruce Lee special on ESPN. And they were like yo who's the tallest black man we can get. Because Bruce Lee did this shit. It was dope. Well. So they get one of the Performance Center guys who's 7-1, went to USF, he hasn't done shit in the PC for like 4 years, not to discredit his career as a pro wrestler, but it's still like yo, they went and got him, like yo you're gonna be a ninja with this big ass sword. And then you get a scene with like the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits running away, they fall into some garbage, like a big ass garbage bin. A referee randomly sets up a ladder, climbs it faster than Oscar did to get money in the bank, looks over the edge, was like, why are you in there? I'm like, why are you here? The match hasn't even started yet, ref. Where have you been this whole time? And then the truck starts moving, or I thought it starts moving, but no. It's thrashing about, a giant alligator tail, which is clearly a toy, starts thrashing about, and then it just cuts to black. The alligator went over clean against the tag team champions of raw oh my God. i people enjoyed this I, I, I. I don't blame any tag team for leaving I <laughs> and i like the street profits i like that they're funny I, I like i like the street profits montez ford is a gem he could also wrestle his ass off the viking raiders not everyone's cup of tea war machine You didn't like them that much. I thought they were okay in ROH. Cool. They don't deserve this shit either. I've been critical on how AEW's handled the tag team division. They got tons of talent. I I think it's been underutilized so far, but obviously it's going to be utilized at a point. They ain't this. If if I'm critical of them, I'm critical because I'm giving them an 8 when they should be a 10 all the time. I'm picking, you know... I'm really trying to pick out stuff that bothers me because I really like their product. So they're eight out of ten. This shit was like a negative five. At this point, they shouldn't have tag team wrestling. NXT should be the only place with tag team wrestling. What did I? And the main s- roster should just be solo. What did I say when the street profits got called up? What I say they were gonna end up being? They're gonna be a comedy act. I I thought they're good at. You could be comedic and still wrestle matches. They're not even giving them a chance to wrestle.
2: So the street prophets are entertaining, but they're entertaining within the confines of the things that they want to do. But if you give them a script and you tell them this is what's funny, chances are it's not. And this segment. In this decathlon of Dave and Buster's bullshit that they've been doing, was the WWE's concoction of this is what works. We want to give the Vi- I, you could have told me that the Viking Raiders would have been doing this shit. I wouldn't have believed you. Alas, here we are. The street profits have been reduced. Like when you take and uh, enlarge the certain elements that you like, like they do with Otis, put extra emphasis on the goofy shit. You take away the wrestling. And the Street Profits, they are the tag team champions, but they just, like, got ran over by Bobby Lashley not too long ago. If I remember correctly, the Viking Raiders lost, and they haven't wrestled in, like, forever. So, At least five weeks, had Five weeks of bullshit. decathlons. So this, I, dude, there's been a lot of really bad things in pro wrestling. A lot of really bad angles. But in terms of things that just kind of just smacked you upside of the head and was like, "Holy shit, where did this come from?" This is up there. I'm not gonna say it's the worst thing I've ever seen, the worst segment that I've ever seen. But the and I said this before, the WWE is not good at comedy. They're not good at being funny. Like they're not good at creating their own humor for fans. They have unintentionally funny stuff. Like The Rock was great because the majority of the time The Rock just did his thing, and it just worked. But when they try to make shit funny, it just doesn't work. And this, this was so bad. Because, one, we've already jumped the shark on the cinematic matches thing. So yeah. why this had to be another entry into that catalog is ridiculous. Two, there were so many things that were just so incredibly unfunny. The stereotyping of Akira Tuzawa, who just got beat up by Phantasma's crew on NXT, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But now he shows up as a ninja on a motorcycle? And then he doesn't speak English. Yo, he's been speaking English since he showed up. Now all of a sudden he <laughs> doesn't? And he has like a biker gang? I was, yo, this was in such bad taste. There it's was really not the time to be stereotypical either. At all. Like there was the the whole like using the force for the turkey leg. Turkey leg. Read, read the room. Dog, none of this was funny at all. And I was just sitting there going, and I hate it because... We haven't seen Bianca Belair on TV since she got called up, pretty much. Yep. And the Viking Raiders and Street Profits are... Viking Raiders, whether I care about them being you know, a great personality or not, they can work. And the Profits can work as well. And they've shown that. But you know what they haven't done? Work. They haven't worked a great match. I don't understand this shit. And this is, this is what we get? This nonsense? I don't even know how long it lasted. But I was disgusted. I I don't even know. And then people, people were like, oh, you don't have a sense of humor. Look, man, I love comedy. but Some shit just ain't funny. And it's okay to look at some things and be like, yo, that did not work. Like, I loved Borat when it came out. But Bruno, I did not like. No. And I was like, it's clearly trying too hard. And it's clearly trying to force humor down my throat. The element of surprise is gone. This was just, this was terrible. This was the worst segment of the year. And I had to think. I was like, is this the worst segment of the year? Because Lashley Rusev Lana was really bad. Really bad. But this was, oh my God. This was the chef chef's kiss of dog shit.
1: This was horrible. Yeah, it, that shit wasn't good. How do you recover from match this? before it was okay, though. So maybe they needed a buffer for the greatest <laughs> wrestling match ever. They're like, yo, if this is just as shitty as we can possibly make it. The main event's going to look like gold. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it I was true. I, I, <laughs> I think it
2: worked.
1: I think it worked. The match before that, though, was Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, which was two big men bumping meat. <laughs> and it worked out really well. Bobby Lashley, one of his better matches since he returned. Uh, shout out to Justin Ivy in our group chat mentioning, this is just 2015 Impact. Yeah. So it was like, all right, man. He was ahead of the curve. No need to watch tonight. You already saw this. But it was a, it was a really good match until the end because they ha- can't let a clean finish happen. Lana gets up on the apron for no fucking reason, gets headbutted, and costs Lashley the match, which we all knew. Like They have to separate themselves from the horrible cuckold angle, but for some reason it's taken them three months. Rusev is out of the company. He was the baby face getting cucked and somehow he lost. He gets booted, has no job right now. And Bobby Lashley is now about to kick the wife to the curb. What Lana does, if Rusev isn't there, if she's not with Lashley, I don't even know. Man. If you can't get women like Belair on the TV show, if you can't get uh, Shayna Baszler on weekly TV, I don't know where Lana goes, but it clearly wasn't working. MVP is such a better manager for Lashley. He gives him such an edge. That line of shit was was hokey and comedy and bad. It's like Lashley spreading his ass cheeks. That's not, it, it may be funny to Vince, he's not a funny guy. Like he's big as hell, he's muscular, he, he's bald, he's mean as shit. Give him a MVP type guy to do his bidding. That's like DiBiase. DiBiase was great for these heel guys. He was just slimy and, and fucking, he added that edge. MVP to me is like playing the perfect DiBiase role. Perfect for Lashley right now. Drop the comedy shit and Lana's still, it's still holding on to that. This better be the last time we see her with him. This not.
2: This is it, this is the split. The, the Dude. This match was really good. Like, as the match progressed, I was like, oh, this is some hoss, guys, that, like power moves, heavy strikes. This was everything we needed to see out of Bobby Lashley. We knew Drew McIntyre could go. We knew Bobby Lashley could go. Bobby Lashley just never really had an opportunity in WWE to really show what he has. So we thought watching this match, we were like, as it progressed, I was like, man, this is really good. These, these, this is really good. And then WWE just can't get out of its own way. It has to inject something that's totally unnecessary. Why couldn't they have Lana appear in a tag match on Monday night and play the same angle? Like, why couldn't they do that? It just doesn't make any sense. I'm... I don't know, man. I'm offended that the WWE can't get out of its own way and let Drew Mack and Bobby Lashley have their best match. They they could have really done it. And you're right. Bobby Lashley has had three managers in 18 months. Leo Rush... Lana, an MVP. Clearly, Bobby Lashley can't carry this stuff on his own. He needs somebody. And that's fine. An MVP is the one. But I don't understand why this Lana thing had to happen in a really good match. It could have just ended with a clean finish. Instead of playing, making it a prop to split whatever they're going to do up. Because I have no idea where this, this stupid feud is going to end. I don't. Well, he care. has to keep going with Drew. I, I think him and Drew
1: are good together like drew plays a good foil to him Uh, i think they work well obviously i think they can take the match up and the physicality up even more especially now that the next pay-per-view is extreme rules you kind of got to have some some feuds going into that to justify them being extreme being extreme for no reason makes no damn sense so you kind of just roll it into that and i think it works well if you keep these two together. It's just Lana has to go and separate herself from the feud. And then maybe, I don't know how you DQ someone at an Extreme Rules pay-per-view. <laughs> I don't know. But Lashley probably has to win. And then you take him and McIntyre into SummerSlam. Because ain't shit else she got. Who else you putting in that spot? Rollins is your next best heel. And you blew through that feud already with him and McIntyre. So you know what? Let it rock. Let these two go. They prove that they can put on good matches. Give them a full summer program, and it'll be fine. There's another big man who's a champion right now who ain't doing shit, and that's Braun Strowman versus The Miz and John Morrison. They had a handicap match today, and thank God at least Otis wasn't in it. It wasn't the tag match, but the two of them, Miz and John Morrison, worked well against Strowman, but Strowman must run. And he runs and he just knocks people over, and he has the whack ass new intro with some type of choo choo train. <laughs> uh, it just reminds me of the Water Boy. He's like, "You're a choo 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 train." Like, I it's fucking stupid. <laughs> but that's the gimmick they're going with, and Braun
2: Strowman wins until I don't know until Bray Wyatt is back from paternity leave. Yeah, uh, this is another thing. I mean, we've said it from the jump. Braun Strowman is a champion. Just th- it doesn't work. It just no. doesn't work. Like They, they m- tried. They missed the opportunity with Braun. When Braun was white hot as a heel, and even when he turned babyface and had the feud with Lesnar, felt like, okay, you can do this now. He just missed the bus. And now he's a champion, nobody cares. And this match was completely useless. Uh, it only worked when Morrison was in the match. And then, you know, with the stipulation, I thought that maybe the stipulation was in place to cause friction between Miz and Morrison. And it didn't really cause friction. Instead, it was like Miz realized, like, ooh, ah, I kind of wanted the title back, and I really might have screwed my friend out of it. And now it costs us the match, which might not lead to anything at all, but this was a totally useless match. Morrison looked great, but this was useless. It had no point. I don't even know I was here. Did anybody care about this feud? No. I don't even know how it appeared.
1: Like, it was just... Somehow Otis was involved for a second. Yeah. And then why didn't Otis even show up on the show? He should have cashed in, even if he fails in a cash-in. You had two guys to be one big guy's ass for about 10, 15 minutes. The big guy should be... He should stand triumphant, but be worn down. Then you have another big guy who should come in and jump his ass and take the briefcase and cash in. When are you going to cash in if it's not when two people are going against the one?
2: When is a better time? I don't know. And, and dude, they gotta get the title off Strowman. SmackDown. I guess this, this is so weird because you know this whole brand split thing that's not really a thing, but it kind of is. Like people jumping back and forth, but SmackDown is like devoid of talent right now. And you know Roman Reigns is gone. Uh, you know the Fiend yeah, is Rona out. hit them hard. Yeah, like the Fiend is out. For, you know for the baby, Sami Zayn's not around.
1: Cause the Rona, uh, yeah. Like Daniel Bryan's about to go on paternity leave, right? Because Bella's about to pop. Yeah,
2: like the Usos. Uh, you know, uh, I think Jimmy's hurt. Like they've been decimated by injuries. But so why not use your nonsensical wild card rule, whatever you call it, to bring other people over, or just do a superstar shakeup? They, and they used it for the IC title. But dude, it's like because there's no reason
1: why AJ Styles shouldn't. If you're bringing AJ Styles over. Why not have him take the main championship? Well, well Unless you think Roman Reigns
2: and pray Roman Reigns are going to come back this summer. Well, see, that's what I don't understand. It's like, okay, you had Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles for his IC title match, which is cool. But when you're devoid of talent at the top and you can use AJ Styles to make Strowman look good, do it. Because you know who, who, who can use the IC title? Somebody like Cesaro. Somebody like Nakamura. You know what I'm saying? Like... Yep. Who would have been mad at seeing the Cesaro-Daniel Bryan match be in the finals of the IC title tournament? Or Chad Gable, elevate him, because you have nobody at the top. There's nobody there. It's Strowman. Like, the fact that this is your title program says a lot about what, what SmackDown looks like right now. Yep. And it don't look good. It doesn't they, look good. They've moved top
1: guys to the mid-card for no reason. So you have... Even new talent, okay, Andrade's in the mid-card, Apollo's in the mid-card. Why is Kevin Owens working there for you? That's dog. So you have a top guy on the mid-card for no reason. Kevin Owens couldn't move over? You had AJ Styles elevating talent. Okay, then we got to move him over, but only to be in the mid-card. When up top, you're floundering. You're only as good as your champions. And th- then you have talent that's not even being used. Ricochet and Cedric yeah. are where? Like, Because, again... All they do is wrestle. So you're going to throw them into a comedic gimmick?
2: Like,
1: they would have pulled this off. Like, oh, maybe if you allowed the tag teams to actually wrestle, they would have been perfect for that. So I I don't know, yeah. man. The women's tag match was cool um, until there was just a shitty roll-up. So we had that on there. We had, uh, let's see, I'm trying to go through some of the other matches.
2: Oscar Nia Jax. Oscar Nia Jax is completely pointless. T- a count-out. Whatever, move on. That, I don't get it. I, they're going to run it back for extreme rules. Like, they got bad blood. And then
1: Charlotte will beat the shit whoa. out of Oscar afterwards. And Charlotte will take the belt at SummerSlam. Um, or you put Charlotte into that match and have Oscar randomly win. It's a triple threat, and then it's just her and Charlotte. Um, Sheamus beat Jeff Hardy. That was bad. Even though Jeff just threw piss on him. and It's, a, it's just a horrible angle, right? Like, it's not five years after a guy gets sober. It's not three years after a guy gets sober. It's three months after a guy just got a DUI. <laughs> like his seventeenth in his career. This is this. He's clearly not. The, oh, I want to be a beacon of light and hope for the people who had struggles, motherfucker. You still got struggles. And then you still like lost. you're still an alcoholic. Like this ain't cool. and then he lost. Then he lose <laughs> Clean as a sheet too.
2: <laughs> so, there you had like three clean, two clean finishes all night. This was one. You of. beat the alcoholic. Good job, Sheamus. Like, goddamn, what? Yeah. yeah, then the roll up in the women's title match. Well, see, okay, women's title match, real quick. Just don't break up Sasha and Bailey at this point. Fuck it, just keep them together. I'm over it. I don't want to see it. I just don't know what they do. Make the tag. Bailey needs to come up off that belt yeah, eventually. But let the tag team division like put a focus on them. Like, Naomi doesn't have a tag partner right now. Uh, again, Bianca yeah. Belair and Shayna Baszler could do something if you keep Sasha and Bayley tied up in the tag teams and have, like, other tag teams challenge them. You could open yeah, up more Oh
1: I love the Iconics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> again, if they have the belt, you can have the Iconics do this shit, too. I, I'm just saying. You, They're a natural tag
2: team. Just, I I, love I just don't, like, breaking them up now is just boring. Like, they've teased it too long. Just keep them together. And they work really well as a tag team. They were really good in this match. Just keep them together. No, yeah, of course they work well as a tag team. They're two of the best
1: women's wrestlers in the world. No, they were good. Just keep them together. No reason to break them should. They they should work well as a tag team. Uh, If Becky didn't leave, I'm almost positive this is the year where all four horsewomen would have held titles at the same time. Yeah, probably. And we would have went into some crazy angle where it's those four against the world. So that'll have to wait till post baby Becky Lynch. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's pretty much backlash. Let's take a quick break and then return. We'll talk a little bit about NXT and AEW before we get out of here. And uh, yeah, I need another drink. Driving me to drink with this topic. You guys stay right there. Alright, we'll get back to the show in a second, but first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website.
2: So looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.
1: What up, everybody? Real quick, we had to pay the bills, but we are back. And, uh, yeah, got another claw here. You know, I'm switching up. I got the truly passion-fute, passion passion-fute, passion-fruit this time. Uh, maybe it's hitting a little tougher than the claw, because I obviously can't speak. So, we are back, and Dre, before we dived into NXT and some of these feuds, I wanted to ask you, because you've been pushing heavy, putting it over this Mongo Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it is incredible one I forgot Mongo was this bad, <laughs> so bad. but it's maybe because no one talks about him because he was this bad He's horrible. and in a prominent position of four horsemen so we talked about this last week and it got like my, my brain moving and I wanted to ask you if you were putting a crew together your three bad wrestler crew and you had to make a faction with three bad wrestlers
2: throughout the history of wrestling but might be wildly entertaining. Who are you taking? Well, yeah, Mongo's one of them, that's for damn sure. Um, <laughs> you know, strangely enough, and I just think it would just be fun to put him in there, he might have not been the worst ever, but he could be the leader of the stables, the ultimate warrior.
1: Oh. Oh, his promos <laughs> are just fine.
2: you're gonna let him cut promos with Mongo. Yes, just have them yell. Oh. Just have them two just yell at each other. Uh who else was really bad? Man, WCW had some really bad wrestlers.
1: Like oh they had yeah craziness. Oh my God. I'll tell you mine cuz I was thinking about this um as we were putting the show together while watching backlash. Um mine and I I really thought about this. The lead man would be Meng. Meng wasn't bad though. Meng wasn't bad. Meng was crazy as shit. And promos Meng wasn't good. No, promo Meng was bad. The promo May was bad. So I got to throw Meng in there for promos. Just because his promos are like Warrior pro. Like, Warrior wasn't bad Oh, Warrior he needed him. Like, Warrior had a lot of energy, but he didn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, his promos are horrible. So, like, you've got Warrior, i got Meng. And then the, the bad, I'm not sure if it gets worse than this, and aesthetically it makes sense, give me Giant Gonzalez oh. and Great Khalid <laughs> as a tag team. Yeah, you win. <laughs> They got oh. two moves between them. Meng leading a tag team of great Khali and Giant Gonzalez. Boy.
2: Oh, my God. That's your printing money. Wow. printed Printing money and injuring wrestlers. See. That's what you do. Yeah, see, like, when, so I'm taking wrestlers. <laughs> I'm going to pull them out of eras because I can't use their overall body of work. It's not fair. So, like, late Goldberg would make this list. I just like watched Ooh. the Undertaker last ride, and I forgot how bad that match with Goldberg was in Saudi Arabia. That yeah. was he has the headbutt shit though. That's the he caveat. Has he has to think he's like you gotta thirty. Make sure he, yeah, make can't do that. him. Um, mm-hmm. Another person is some people be really mad when I say this, but in the career Scott Steiner was bad because the <laughs> <Papa Pump. laughs> yo like WWE Papa Pump was terrible. He was, Didn't he go to TNA after that? Yeah, and his matches weren't as bad, but for whatever reason, if anybody remembers Scott Steiner versus Triple H, oh that match was so bad. <laughs> it was just so bad. It was so it hurt how bad it was. And then I think of somebody like the Mantar or Bastion Booger. Like those are all bad. But your list yeah. with giant Gonzalez and Great Kali Yeah, you I think you won. That- if I could
1: throw in a valet, it would be Eva Marie. Because <laughs> I think she she was the worst women's wrestler I've ever seen. She was pretty, and they tried to push her to the moon. She was she was pretty bad. That yo, she couldn't do an arm drag. She could barely hit the ropes.
2: Yeah, she
0: was pretty bad.
2: Pretty pretty. She couldn't do anything. Pretty 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 bad. Yeah, she was awful. This but yeah, it's, I mean, dude, if you guys have not. Follow the Twitter feed. What will Mongo do next? Please do it. It's like the greatest <laughs> thing ever. The, the same person who did that and did the Ming one and the Psycho Sid one. The Sid one is just amazing because Sid's promo ability. He like he gets lost in himself. Him and Deontay Wilder like the same person when it comes to cutting promos. Unbelievable. <laughs> like sometimes it'd be great because all the energy, and sometimes you're like, yo, what is he talking about? Stumbling and stuff. But Mongo, yo, that man was the pits. And I, I can't believe I didn't see it like as a kid. He was the worst. Woo. It's
1: a bad wrestling. Yeah, it. that was... Uh, it was not good. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's great feeds on that. There's um, Rick Rude taking Atomic Drops. That
2: was great because he sold the hell out of Atomic Drops.
1: <laughs> sold the shit out of Atomic Drops. So that, <laughs> that's on there. There's actually some really funny ones where you're like, Yo, that's William Regal. It's like uh, Regal Cells. Yeah. You just get the
2: best of William Regal selling shit. It's the greatest thing. Like I needed to detox from yeah. like protests and death and everything else, which we're not talking about this week. Um, so when I see that, it brings me joy. It brings me great joy. Like Rick Rude selling an atomic drop, I thought it was me as a kid because I was like, man, he's really selling the hell out of that atomic drop. And then I, as I got older, I realized, oh, this wasn't just me. Everybody noticed how he sold these atomic drops. It was like a piece of art.
1: I might need to DM that dude and be like, "Yo, I need to make a request for two accounts.
2: <laughs> I need Kurt Henning selling everything. Oh, the everything. The greatest Kurt Henning sell is him turning the opposite way when he gets socked in the face and like spins in the air. Spins, in, but he goes the wrong he does way. like a corkscrew. Twist. It just looks amazing. <laughs> but it, but you look at it as like physics don't allow that. But who cares? That's <laughs> what it was. Yeah. And uh, I need Shawn Michaels going over the turnbuckle." Oh. Yeah, that or Ric Flair climbing the top rope. Yep, Somebody's got to do that one. Both Flair's great cuz he'll run the apron after. Yeah, he'll run but dude, he, <laughs> do you know I, I think and then fall. I think I think I can't be 100% sure. I think he only hit that top rope splash one time in his career. You know who really? you know who it was against? Shawn Michaels in the retirement no. match. Yo. <laughs> It took him his whole career. This son, son of a bitch wrestled 30 plus years and got whipped into the corner turnbuckle, went over it, ran the apron, climbed the top rope, and got tossed off that bitch every single time for his entire career. And he finally hit a flying crossbody on Shawn Michaels in his retirement match. I don't know if anybody's That's ever noticed incredible that. Incredible booking. That's that's the best long term booking I've ever seen. Like, anyway, if you've listened to this show, if you listen to the show and you've actually seen Flair execute this move, please send it to me because I've never and I've watched Flair my whole life. I have never seen him hit it, it like it, I didn't recognize it until like 1999 when I was like, "Yo, he never hits this ever," and then it was like another ten years before he hit it. Like, he always flips the turnbuckle, runs the apron, climbs on the top turnbuckle, and then somebody always catches him. He shakes his head. No, no, no. And he gets tossed off every <laughs> single time in just about every single match. Luger did it to him all the time. Sting did it to him all the time. Everybody did it to him. And then he finally hit it in his <laughs> last match. his last WWE match. That's so incredible. That's, that's like Jordan with the
1: push-off. <laughs> like you you should have he should have never stepped back in the ring. Yeah. Because that was it. You get no better than that. Oh man, that's that's hilarious. That brings a smile to my face. Uh, let's talk about I guess AEW first and NXT, because NXT has more. Real quick, AEW, Statlanders Hurt, ACL tear, that's two ACLs Jeez. in their women division, arguably the two top
2: contenders. Yeah. Good luck. Yep. So uh let's push Swole. Yeah, I mean Really, you, you really have no, but you got Nyla Swole, uh Sheeta, uh, real. Yeah, Rio. The That's it. Yeah, I mean you got Penelope Ford, but yeah, yeah. You, you you need to go sign some women. That's what they need to do. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, and the weekly was
1: cool, or whatever. I didn't care. Um, good spots in the Cody match to end it. Mark Quinn looked like a million bucks in that match. Mark Quinn's athletic as hell. There's still some botches, and, like, you can still tell he's raw. Obviously, we think the whole tag team is raw. But he hit some corkscrew DDT. Yeah, it was beautiful. That I don't think I've ever seen before. I mean, he. And it was
2: straight off the vert. There was no momentum. If he gains a little more weight, because I think he's, like, 180, which is crazy, which means skinny as hell. If he gains a little bit more weight and just keeps working, he could be great. Like, he's, I mean, he's got it. I just need to look less yeah. choreographed, but in this particular match with Cody, that was really good. I I do I dude, I have to just talk about the one thing that irked the hell out of me. So, we ha- we got the FTR versus Butcher and Blade match to kick off the show. Which is fine, it's a good yep. match. Then, as soon as that match ends, we go to a segment with QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and the Bunny with there's literally no explanation like some of I think Justin was like, you need to watch AW Dark. No, I don't. Because if what you're <laughs> telling me, like to try to figure out why the bunny isn't with Butcher and Blade anymore, if I have to watch something on YouTube and you can't find a way to recap that with just commentary on your show, you're doing it wrong. Now she's there with QT Marshall like they've been in a relationship forever. With no explanation to me as to why she split from Butcher and Blade. And now they're talking about she's wearing the Nightmare jacket. I'm so confused why this happened. This is bad storytelling. I I strongly dislike the Nightmare Collective. Oof. I just... Like,
1: Dustin Dustin keeps winning. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> it does. He doesn't need to win. He's 59 years old. The man doesn't need to win feuds. Brandy has had four different gimmicks. Or
2: she's managed at least four different people. It doesn't work at any time. And this, and this company's 10 months old. Yeah, it, it never works. QT Marshall, I don't even understand. Like, I'm like, I, I guess he's a friend of the family, but. Uh, uh, he's, yeah, he's just on the payroll. He might be this generation's Mongo. No, he's not He's not close to that bad.
1: No, where you just look at me like, yo, why is he around? Uh, I guess you could say that. I, I mean, I don't know. He's not horrible, but he's like, yo, one, how did you get here? Because he just showed up one day wearing the jacket. <laughs> and then he they formed this tag team him and Dustin Rhodes for no apparent reason. I think they're going to be jobbers. They actually win a couple matches. And then now they're having a breakup. and I'm supposed to care? I don't even know
2: where you came from. Yeah. Coca-Bana's in a match? It's it's a lot of like <laughs> AEW's <laughs> like I there's nothing going on cuz they haven't even announced when Fighter Fest is going to be. So it's like they oh I thought they did I thought it was on TV back to back weeks oh you're right you're right they did it I just forgot it's like July 7th and then 13th or some shit but it's on weekly TV this was the first week I watched AEW and when I saw Ali in that in the Nightmare Collective and they said they they're getting the tag team title shot I just turned it off I was like I can't do this right now and I turned it off and I was like I'm gonna come back to it later and I did I came back to it later but at that particular moment I was like I can't watch this because it doesn't make any sense. Why is no. this happening? I didn't understand why... What's LAX doing? I finally saw LAX in the ring. Yeah, but... I don't know. Again, I feel like they'll figure this out, but, man... This was like...
1: Yeah, yeah. they're between on a lot of shit. Yeah, like, like yeah, do th- Their highs are very high. I f- and the talent is very good. They they haven't figured out that
2: middle and that floor yet. I feel, I feel like what's happening with AEW, actually... Could be totally wrong about this. Well, follow me for a second. When they created AEW, they knew that one day Kenny Omega would be the champion. Just not now. Yep. They knew when they signed LAX, one day they're going to feud with Young Bucks. Just not right now. They knew when they brought Phoenix to Pentagon, they knew that they would feud with LAX. There's like a triple threat ladder match just waiting to happen. Just not right now. I think a lot of things are a lot of not-right-now things. And it's like, well, if not now, when? Because you're going to have to do something with one of these things sooner or later. They've been holding Kenny Omega back, even though he's a tag team champion, which is fine. But when you start putting them all together, like, like, you're waiting for Adam Page to turn. Like, you're waiting for LAX to break out. Uh, Lucha Bros, obviously, you know, they haven't been able to really be around. But now you have the FTR Young Bucks thing. And, like, as soon as you saw it and they kind of playing nice, you're like, okay, they're going to make us wait on this too. You don't have to make us wait on everything. Some no. things you can do right now. And the things that you are doing right now can wait. Like this Brian Case uh, Moxley thing, I don't want, like this being so soon. Just like the Brody Lee thing, it's too soon. They blew it off yeah. too fast. They burn through certain things and they make us wait forever for others. They got to pace themselves a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I think Brody Lee. His best bet, hopefully, is to go against Cody in the mid card.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: um, even though the open challenge is very nice, but you gotta keep him around. The, like he was just the top of the top. Uh, yeah, he was your big reveal, top of the top, and then now nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like you, you you gotta sustain
2: something. So, and if that being the case, what the fuck does Lance Archer do? Right. That exactly. It's like you're making us wait on certain things, but you're moving other pieces around. I yeah. I just. I don't know if they figured out That's the because pan- Maybe this pandemic has something to do with it, but, man, I don't need to wait on all these things. I, yeah. The reason you can't wait is because you're always bringing
1: in new talent. And? and that, that needs time, and you need to you know make them feel special too. So when you push things, you say, wait, wait, wait. Now the revival got to be mixed in. Right. When are you going to get back to those other feuds? Yeah, and the other thing now is. Now Cage has to be mixed in. Like, What if they sign Rusev? Yeah. Like, yeah. Zack Ryder. You're gonna, where the
2: fuck are you putting Zach right You're going to sign him probably. Sean Spears. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, but I'm just. But, like, but no, no, no. Seriously, the other thing is is that like when you make people wait, you also run the risk of, oh, shit, he tore his ACL. And now we can't do this yeah. feud ever again. Because yeah. things happen in like, weird matches. Like the Britt Baker thing was a complete out of nowhere, and now she's out. And, yeah, you can character build, but LAX should be in the mix in the tag team division. They're not really doing anything. They're too good not to do anything but be yeah. like inner circle people.
1: Yep. So I, I agree. So it's it's weird. So we'll we'll see how they work everyone in the talent there. It's just a little odd. And too much to the old people. Too much time to the old people. You know like Darby Allen promo. With Tony Hawk. Who doesn't like Darby Allen and Tony Hawk? And he's jumping off his shit. He's a star.
2: It's inevitable.
1: Yeah. It took him a while to land that. But I was rooting for him, even to land that shit off the ladder. Oh, yeah. Like that's how you know I'm invested. Oh, by the way, Orange Cassidy is fucking insanely over. Dude, he's I don't I don't know what they can do to slow him down. Well, that that's the other problem. You have these. Oh, we'll do this in the future. We'll do this in the future. What happens when these guys organically catch fire? When do you find time to put Kenny in that picture? When Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen's knocking the house down and Sammy Guevara? Well, like you're putting them off three years. Like you'll cool them off. MJF. What the fuck happened to MJF? He's like, Yeah, like, these guys, you you did good scouting, and these young guys are growing organically and knocking down the door, but you're saving these old guys. Like, you
2: just got to pull the trigger. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's just little things. Like, Orange Cassidy, get him his own music, please. Oh, God, please. Wait, please. A his- lot of people have horrible music. Just get him good music. Yeah, just get Orange Cassidy some good... Just get him a theme song. But let him, let him work. Uh, guys that are over, because that's the, I don't think they banked on people. Bring him out with no music. Chompa style. No music. Because he doesn't care. Yeah, he was too lazy to pick a song. So it's like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, guys like Darby <laughs> Allen. I'm not saying that they didn't see them becoming stars, but I don't know if they thought like Sammy Guevara would catch fire like he did. And it's like, well, you can't like sit on them forever. You got to make moves. Yeah. So figure it out. You, They got the talent. Just don't make us wait and don't give us like meaningless fuse in between because you're trying to wait for the perfect moment to unleash the the talent. Don't do that.
1: No, I completely agree. Um, That's the one thing that saves NXT is that they're under the gun because people get moved up right or wrong. You know, like people talent aren't going to be there in four or five years. So you get uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, you get Finn Balor, you get Kevin Owens and you got to use them while you got them they can be gone tomorrow yeah right or wrong and it puts them under a gun and they use everyone so it's it's an interesting dynamic that they have and it kind of saves them from that problem a lot of times saves them from themselves um talking about nxt though we're seeing we talked about the guys moving up last week but now we're seeing kind of what AEW is going through now that i'm talking about it is when talent stays And you have them from the long haul. How do you recycle them and keep them fresh? And now we're seeing that. So Adam Cole, over one year as champion. He needs a new feud. You're looking at um, Gargano. He's still in the feud, but his heel character is new. You're looking at all these guys and new guys coming in. How do we recycle everyone? So we started off. Let me try to run down this episode. Um... Yeah, Adam Cole, cut a promo. That's cool. Gargano and Candice LeRae versus Keith Lee and Mia Yim. Tag match. You think they blew off the feud? Mm-hmm. I think it might keep going, but circumstances that happen later point towards you probably being right. But it's weird that Gargano and Candice LeRae win to kind of just toss it out.
2: Well, I mean, you know, because Keith Lee wanted the the uh, in your house, so. To get Gargano, like, escaping with a win and blowing off a feud seems, like, very on brand. I'm just—it kind of sucks because you look at Lee and Gargano, and you, we didn't get their best match in in your house. We felt we got, like, a good, like, appetizer. These two could put on an excellent match. I feel like they're blowing off this feud a little bit too early. Uh, Me too. I thought it would keep going. Yeah. But uh, we'll see— Maybe they give us a triple threat. I doubt it. I think I think Gar- I don't know what Gargano's going to do next, but I think he's out of this feud. I think it's over. Okay. okay.
1: Then we got to see where he goes next. Um, if I don't know where Champa goes next either. Not back to Gargano. Yeah. Jesus. It would be great because the tag team division could surely use DIY. Yeah. Um,
2: man, I'm I'm over them getting back together and breaking up. I'm done with that.
1: <laughs> it's, it's played its has played his part for a while, and then we have uh, Indus Share. My, my boy Malcolm Bivens, who's killing it in the crowd, by the mm-hmm. way. He's, so good. He's <laughs> so good. He brings them out, and uh they beat up some jobbers again. How much longer can we do I mean, this? Big guys could beat up jobbers, yeah, for but hours. they're not good. Like I'm still not convinced with them at all. I don't, I don't know what they are. Like how? I mean, authors of pain. were... Pretty good, big guys. Yeah, but this they had really good people to work with. Like, I, who knows if they're authors of pain? They're both NXT, Brad. Like, why can't they be authors of pain?
2: I don't know. Right? I, I, there's just nothing here, man. It's like there's nothing here with this team. I, I see them, I watch them work, and I'm like, I feel nothing. This is. I'm gonna start adding the ascension to the authors of Punjabi pain who ascend. Because they're like the like they're like a, just like if it wasn't for Malcolm Bivens, this team would be nowhere. And Mal, he's excellent, but this team, whatever. Let's get it over with <laughs> And
1: then um Brizengo comes to NXT. Cool. They cut a promo. There's a recap. Oh, Finn Balor versus Cameron Grimes. I thought this match was really good. Yeah, it was.
2: It was a good match. I mean, the wrestler form Best Cameron Grimes match. Yeah, the wrestler formerly known as Trevor Lee can wrestle. I hate the Yeah, gimmick. he can wrestle his asshole. I hate, I hate. The it. gimmick
1: is growing on me. Because he's annoying, but it gives him a character. Like, it, I like it. You know. Because he's, he's an asshole and he's annoying. He makes me
2: feel something. And that's being annoyed. You know what? So, as long as you make me feel something, cool. I think it's not necessarily the gimmick itself. I hate the top hat. I think the top hat just drives me <laughs> insane. <laughs> That's perfect. That's what it's supposed maybe, to do. Maybe,
1: maybe it it adds to the gimmick. I'll, I'll, you want him to see his get his ass kicked. It's he's done everything over the top and annoying. I, I can see and it. I love his commentary during matches. Yeah, no, he's.
2: I mean, he's really good. He's really good. A lot of people don't see it. He's really good. Although I like, I wish he could go back to that reverse power slam off the rope thing that he does. As his finisher? Yeah,
1: that was dope. Like
2: instead of this double stomp thing, I don't it's not a good finisher. That was a much better finisher. But anyway, we'll see. Yeah, he was PWG champion, right? I believe he did have a run with the title. I think he beat Adam Cole. Trevor Lee? but you know, Cameron Garners, whatever. Yeah, yeah
1: but uh, Balor beat him and what was a really good match. Then Balor grabs the cam well, looks right into the camera and says, I've only I've held every other belt except the North American title. I, it says, Keith Lee, let's get it.
2: Yeah. Um. Do I like it? Yeah. It's just not the direction I expected. No. I thought Balor was... But a, I thought it was a cool swerve. I, it makes sense. I, mm, it doesn't make sense with how this show ended. Like, we'll get into that in a minute. I just felt like when Balor showed up, he immediately went after Cole. When he first showed up. And and yeah. now they've just kind of tabled that. And I don't know how long you're going to have to wait for that. Because if, if Cole's about to drop the title, which seems like might be the direction they're going in, they're blowing it. Because they have a match where they can really play up the angle of who's the greatest NXT champion of all time. They have it right there. Don't I just hope they don't blow this. Because it's right there. I don't need Finn Balor to win the North American title. I need him to challenge Adam Cole for the NXT title with a very good storyline behind it but uh, maybe they're just not going in that direction
1: yeah i mean it's not a bad consolation in terms of direction um dakota kai picked up a win with uh gonzalez raquel gonzalez she has a name <laughs> uh this is something that i really like so we get eo then fantasma bring himself out and then he starts cutting like this babyface promo, thanking people for his win. He's speaking in Spanish, so I was like, "Cool, he can't speak English. That's dope." Drake Maverick comes out and says, "You know what? Uh, my mind was cloudy. People knew I was going through a lot. Now that I got my contract, I really feel like I can beat you. Now I'm focused." And he asks for the for the rematch, and then it appears to be Fantasma agrees. The masked luchadors come in. I thought Phantasma was controlling the whole time. I was like, cool. It's going to be the payoff me and Dre saw coming. And then shit changes. Because it's revealed that Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild, which is DJ Z, I think, are the two masked people. And I was like, oh, shit, they unmasked. I was like, and they got badass looks now compared to what they were doing before. I was like, oh, that's dope. And then they helped. Phantasma beat down Drake Maverick, and then at the end Phantasma pulls off his mask, and he is, let me get his name right, Santos Escobar, and cuts a perfectly good promo in English, and looks like a badass, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sold, cool, Heel Faction, Cruiserweight title, let's get it, perfect to me, so I knew it was coming, but they did it even better than
2: I expected. So it wasn't it was it was good. It was not bad. I think it's kinda strange that they have like they're giving us another Mexican stable when they just put one together on on Raw and maybe that's why they're trying to just ban Selena Vegas stable. But whatever. Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza, I don't really know about those two guys. King Wilde had that really strange like wings and goggles gimmick thing going on Mendoza was just kind of a guy so hopefully this does give him a boost um them beating up on Drake Maverick could be fun for as long as it lasts so it was project we saw this coming I thought it was well handled I just want to see where it goes I'm more concerned though not even concerned more interested once this pandemic ends and Jordan Devlin can come back where is he going to fit into all this
1: Oh, they got to beat his ass. I mean, they got to be the most imposing Well, thing. He's,
2: not a, he's not a baby face. No. He's a heel. But you just got to be a bigger heel. Unless Drake Maverick gets the title. I don't know. I guess I got time to figure it out because they have no idea when Devlin is going to be able to come back. But yeah. uh, I thought the reveal was cool. It was It was predictable, but it was, it was good. Uh, yeah, Santos Ex- Escobar, you know, sounds like a drug kingpin. Uh, you know, hopefully there's some fun matches that can be had. Because I think the only person that beat him in the tournament was Swerve. So that's like a ready-made yep. feud if they want to go that route after Drake Maverick. There's things that they can do here. So this this could be really fun if they play it right. And then the last thing, uh, Roderick Strong kept
1: seeing Dexter Loomis everywhere. Which was funny. Throughout <laughs> the show. Yeah, so, so Loomis is everywhere. And uh, the Undisputed Era thought uh, Roddy was crazy. So it's a cool little feud developing between those two. So then... You know what? Adam Cole's like, yo, listen, I didn't have a match. You know, I I or he's like I had the backyard brawl or whatever the fuck that was. But he's like, you know what? Let's get rid of this last problem to the Undisputed Era. Challenges. Dexter Loomis goes out there. They have a match. Undisputed Era, of course, interferes. And then the Dream comes out. Shit, I thought he was done with these guys. No. Dreams comes out to help Dexter Loomis. You know, cool, you help me, I help you. Loomis then chases Roger Strong to the back who runs because he wants no part of him. And then Cole is left standing by himself in the ring like, oh, listen, that's their problem, not my problem. I got my NXT championship. I'm good to go. And then the music or the lights go out. The music hits. And Scarlett comes out. Menacingly walks to the ring. carrying Cross nowhere in sight. From behind her back She takes out The hourglass With the sand Flips it over And everyone knows What it means Cross didn't have to say a thing She didn't have to say a thing The crowd starts The fucking performance center But it's the first time It felt organic By a performance center crowd Starts chanting Tick tock Tick tock And it's weird Because Cross is The epitome of a heel But it's hard not to get behind him And for his stuff Not to get over and i thought this was well done
2: yeah this is where me and you differ because i don't need carrying Cross to become the fiend where it's built up really quick and there's nowhere to go but down he's beat Tommaso champa and like a jobber or two and now he's going to be thrust into the title picture i just would prefer a, a slower more brutal build to be honest I mean, if we're fantasy booking this whole thing, which we do a lot on the show, I wouldn't mind Cross, like, working his way to Keith Lee and beating Keith Lee. That puts him in position to, to face Adam Cole or whoever the champion is. Because I, th- there's just nowhere to go but down. It's so soon. Like, he hasn't really done anything. And my question is, how are they going to mess this up? Well, if you push him too fast, it's very possible that you could mess this up because... He's only had, like, really short, relatively short matches that are really one-sided. He can't just run a rough shot over Adam Cole. Because then what? Somebody's eventually got to beat him. Cross will never—he's not going to retire undefeated. Like, even Goldberg with the ridiculous 186-0 streak, it took a while for him to get to Hogan. Like, he had to work his way to Hogan. And so when the payoff happened, it felt earned. Even though a lot of those matches were short and ridiculous and one-sided— I feel like Cross is worthy of that kind of a build where he beats everybody. Heels, baby faces, doesn't matter. And then he finally gets his title shot and then what either the crowd is super behind him or they're against him, whatever you want to do, but you've built this character. Now I know the drawback always is, well he's already beat everybody, so who's he gonna defend the title against if he already beat everybody? And I know people say that. But yeah, you you leave a few holes here and there for people that can challenge him, like a Gargano or somebody like that. But to put them in the yeah. title picture right now it just feels really early, and it feels like one way that they can mess this up. And I just feel like the the Balor Cole feud is the better feud to do right now because more important than anything else, I need to see Cross have this moment with fans. I don't want to see it without fans. It's kind of they better bank on SummerSlam having it's fans. Not.
1: And even if it does, it'll be very small. oh, it definitely. I mean, have you seen
2: Vegas? You're there. Yeah, but. Like, like so many unpredictable what? things to happen, it's just the thing is like, Drew McIntyre's title run's been great, but it'll be so much better with fans, and we haven't had Good. that yet. And Karrion Cross, I need that entrance with fans in a title match. I don't want this to happen in a 25% full arena. I want this to happen with fans, and th- and I think the best way to do that. Is You're slow. gonna be
1: waiting on a long time,
2: dude. I don't. I'm just saying. I this is very soon to do this, to me. I just think it's very soon. He just got here. And I, I, I don't think he has to be the fiend
1: where he drops it and it's a flash in the pan. Like, I, I think it could be done to put the belt on him and have him be a, a strong, relatively long reigning
2: champion. I, I don't. The WWE don't work like that. When's the last time you had a champion that was dominant and squashing people and then continue to do that for months on end? not not in terms of domination but i think NXT
1: has had several where Finn came in um when he got the title held it for a while but he had two pay-per-views to really work himself in there. Knock had two um Drew McIntyre got it after one pay-per-view yeah but they, and gave it up because he got injured yeah
2: but he again Drew mid match Drew McIntyre like worked his way to that spot like again like did he? He came in, had one, one takeover but match. But takeovers recorded. There was like weeks of NXT that they were doing takeovers. quarterly. yeah. And again, you, it's it's different when you can, like on the, the WWE network and NXT is where WWE network was. It's different because the rosters were a lot smaller. The rosters are robust now. There's a ton of talent. So there's a ton of options for carrying across to beat up. There's many people. I think. Even like when Bobby Roode had the title, they, they everybody worked their way into that spot.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if it took them longer. I like the idea of him and Keith Lee putting on one hell of a match. Um, but I also don't mind this. I'm willing to give them a chance to see where it goes. It's not like when new people were getting to AEW because I didn't think it was time for Moxley to drop the belt. So you look and you're like, okay, you're putting Brody Lee in there with him, but Brody Lee's not going to win. Moxley's not dropping it this fast. So, what are you setting Brody Lee up for? Well, it was a loss and then a blown off feud. Same thing with Cage. Like, Cage is great. Is Moxley dropping it this fast? No. Because if not, you're just setting up Cage to lose. In this, in this scenario, Cole has had it for over a year. We thought he was going to lose it to Balor, probably, or beat him and then lose it in his next feud. So, it's time for him to get up off of the belt. So it's like okay, even they they throw cross in early, it's probably
2: like he's going to win well, see this is the the issue isn't necessarily cross beating Cole. it's the way he's pushed. it's the squash matches he,
1: he can't squash him. they have to have a legit
2: but that But, 20, 20, but this 20 is minutes. what I'm saying because when uh, I've said it a billion times on the show when you're built as a monster who's basically indestructible and impervious to pain sooner or later somebody's gonna find your weakness and it always happens when they get the title because there's nowhere to go yeah somebody like, like instead like I'll even go back to Ultimate Warrior when Ultimate Warrior came in even though he was a really crappy wrestler he squashed a lot of people he beat Honky Tonk Man in 45 seconds but he worked his he had the fewer Rick Rude and then he worked his way into the title picture because at a certain point you have to have competitive matches that's just it you have to it's mandatory your first competitive match shouldn't be in the title picture that quick you gotta you gotta show people you can deal with some adversity there can be some back and forth it's the way that you're pushed because once you show once there's a weakness shown it takes everything off like Goldberg Losing the title to Kevin Nash the way he did with the the cattle prod was, like, the worst thing that happened in WCW. It was terrible booking because they couldn't figure out how to get out of that spot. But it was partially because Goldberg couldn't work. Cross is not Goldberg. Cross can work. He doesn't have to squash everybody. He can work his way, like, start squashing people, like everybody does when they first show up on the scene. Every first-person match is, like, the squash match. But as the time goes on, like, him in in a real feud with Keith Lee that establishes the character not just as a squash guy but as a guy who can deal with adversity and it's another monster and now when he gets the title now it's like oh well you know there's a possibility he could lose it's never it's not just a one-sided match but when you build him one way like the fiend and he takes like a million chair shots in the face there's nowhere to go but down because it's ridiculous so cross he didn't really have a competitive match with champa it was, it was a it was like a competitive squash but now you're immediately put him in the title picture, and then in your head you got to go, well, who's going to give this man competition if he beats Cole? And how do you see this happen? I just, I would like to see the build a little slower because you have time. There's no need to rush this. He's too good to rush. I agree. Maybe they can
1: extend it for two takeovers. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Right. Like I mean, the undisputed era, maybe can find a way to fucking hoodwink Cross and make him even more pissed off.
2: And, and that's my other problem. Cole's a heel. Cross is a heel. This is weird. I don't need to see Cross... Chicken shit heel versus super strong power. Yeah, but it, it, WWE, just, they're not good at this. They're not just good at allowing these things to happen. With somebody like Cross uh, being like the monster heel versus Cole being maybe the chicken shit heel, I even mean, though Cole's an amazing wrestler. Like... What they did with Rhea Ripley is like they changed it. They were like, ah, oh, well, Ripley's the face. And then they made her like, she was tooth. I keep saying, it, she was toothless. When she became a babyface, it wasn't fun anymore. She really? should have stayed the badass. But WWE cannot commit to that. They cannot commit to a heel versus heel feud for whatever reason. They won't. They got to make somebody the babyface because they feel like they have to tell you who to cheer for. You don't. Just let them go. But we'll see. We got some weeks.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. Um, That's our wrestling recap for today. It is one in the morning for me, but we had to talk about this shit as the pay-per-view ended just because it was so crazy. So thank you guys for listening to us. We'll have another show, as always, later on in the week to follow where we'll talk, you know, whatever's going on in the world, the Twitterverse, alongside boxing and MMA. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the corner, or excuse me, at cornerpodcast underscore. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. It has been a great night of talking to you guys. Till later in the week, though. We're out. Nice. <laughs>